So, um, the Holy Spirit kind of beat me up this week. <laughs> Through the game of basketball. I'm convinced he's like, you just need to quit, you're old. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, in spite of all the circumstances, um, and I just believe God has something powerful for us this morning. Um, and if you're, if you're not aware of like God's activity and God's movement among our body of Christ, then I want to encourage you to open your eyes um, because like, it's, it's everywhere, the things that God is doing. And as we're, we're on this journey talking about the Holy Spirit for these three weeks, um, what I want to do and what I want to do now is... Um, is I want to I give you opportunity to, to see it in action. Okay, so I want to give you, I want you to see tangibly um, the Spirit of God at work in a life. Okay, not just like this abstract, well, Dave's talking about it, here's some things we should be doing, here's some things we should be living out, um, but what does that actually look like? And what if someone could talk about what happened? Personally, and so I want to ask Haley to come up um, and share with us just for a minute, um, really along the lines of, of this question. Uh, here's the question that I asked that I want you to um, answer for us is, who is the Holy Spirit to you? Yeah, so since this past fall, when I was in the Holy Spirit uh, study, um, initially my prayers to the Lord were just like, God, reteach me to to walk with you and to like be in community with you. Um, our relationship was very static at that point and just very kind of dry. And the Lord answering that prayer looked like Him introducing me to the Holy Spirit and just learning about Him. And then in turn, the Holy Spirit has been the last couple months since then been showing me um, how to be in community with the Lord and understand what Jesus has done. And um, it's kind of been a full, full circle type thing. And um, the Holy Spirit's just completely been facilitating that, showing me um, barriers I've had up, not letting the Lord in or not, not letting communion happen. Um, and, and showing me my selfishness and, and my favorite sin, my wanting to be impressive in that status. And even up until last week, like, this is an ongoing thing. God was like, you need to, you need to put this down. We're going to go forward, but for that to happen, you need to put this down. And um, just having to confess and, and um, have a dear friend pray for me over you know, my jealousy and my, my, my constant comparison um, is pretty terrifying, actually, but in a way that, that's made me want to keep going. It's scary, but... The Holy Spirit has shown me just throughout stories of our garden and stories of other friends and stuff, like God has perfect timing and he has the ability to completely rehabilitate and completely change things. So the Holy Spirit has been the facilitator of, of all of this. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I want you to turn your Bibles to um, Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. We'll get there in just a second. I'm going to do a couple of things before, before we get there. But um, I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but um, where you're reading the scriptures, you're reading the Bible, 
And all of a sudden you come to a place where you're like, like really, that, that's in there? Like, wait a second, is that a misprint? Um, you know, do, do I have a, a faulty Bible? Because um, I, I don't know that I really can believe what I just read. Okay? Um, actually, this should happen a lot when you read the scriptures because it's packed with statements and truth that's like unbelievable. Um, well, we come to one um, in a passage that, that I want you to look at on the screen before we get to John 20, or Luke 24, but it's in John 14. And, and here's what it says. J- Jesus is with his disciples, and he's um, teaching them. He's talking to them uh, mainly about the Holy Spirit. And, and listen to what he says in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works of that I do. Okay, we could stop there and be like, okay, yeah, like, um, we're followers of Jesus, and we see the life and ministry of Jesus that we um, study all the time, we talk about all the time, um, and we're called to imitate the life and ministry of Christ. We're called to do discipleship like he did. We're called to do mission like he did. We're called to pray like he did. We're called to do these things, okay? So we'll do the same works that Jesus did, right? Okay, plain and simple. But the verse doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Okay, now, now wait a second. Okay. Did Jesus just say, we're going to do greater things than him? Okay, the, the Son of God, the one who spoke creation into being, the one who brought salvation to brokenness and offers hope in the midst of tragic despair. Jesus just said, we're going to do greater things than him. Like, I don't know about you, but I know me and I know um, my abilities, but I also know my inabilities. And at the end of that, I'm like, I'm not so sure and, and I hope on some level maybe you think the same or you're like, I'm not so sure. But the passage continues and it's the passage we started looking at last week where Jesus says, I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to go to the Father. You want me to leave because I'm going to send the helper, namely myself, through the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put him inside you. Okay, Luke 24. Let's, let's look at how um, Dr. Luke depicts this in Luke 24. Let's, uh, let's pick it up at verse 45. Jesus has just rose from the dead, um, and he has yet to appear to all of his disciples. Okay, he just scared the heck out of them, a couple of them on the road to Emmaus. Um, and now he's about to, um, you know, scare the rest of them together um, to show that what he said would happen, happened. Pick it up at verse 45, Luke 24, 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Okay, so, so Jesus is here talking to his guys and he's like, here's what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. Um, and that's happened. You, you've heard that Christ, he's talking, they don't know that it's him, right? He's saying Christ is going to do this, but they're like, okay, yeah. 
Thanks for telling us what, we, what we've heard him say all along. But they don't know they're talking to Jesus here. Okay? Um, and, and, and then he says, so this prophetic statement, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Okay? So their, their eyes are being opened to this because he's in the process of showing them his hands and the scars. Right? And, and then he continues and says, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Okay, so, so check this out. Here's Jesus talking to his guys and he says, you've seen this. You've witnessed this. You're witnessing my resurrection right now. Here I am. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. I'm Jesus, the one that you spent so much time with. And now here's what's going to happen. You're going to be a mouthpiece of what you're experiencing. You're going to be a mouthpiece of grace as to the gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sin. You're going to speak grace to one another. Okay, I don't know if you've ever experienced something that you just have to talk about. Here's what he's saying. You've ex- look at my hands. Look at my feet. You're going to speak of that. You're going to be a mouthpiece to that. Beginning here on your own turf and going to the ends of the earth. Okay, so, so what's this whole game, like, game, like, this idea that we're going to do greater things than Jesus? Okay, here it is. He gives us a part in the game. He, he gives us permission to enter into the story of redemption with him. Do you see that? So he's like, you're going to be my witnesses my proclaimers, but it's not just going to be lip service. You're not just going to speak of these things. It's going to be life service. You're going to live out exactly what we talked about last week. The abundance that's found alive in the Spirit of God Okay, to proclaim this kingdom of God about a king named Jesus. Okay, but here's the game changer. Look at verse 49. Gosh, I love this verse. And behold, he's like, look, don't miss this. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Okay, here's what's significant about that statement. The promise of the Father is never in question. Can we agree with that? Like God is a covenant-keeping God. He's a promise-keeping God. So the promise of God says, I'm going to do this. What do we know? Bam, he's going to do it. So Jesus is saying, the promise of my Father's coming. Which means you can bank on it. I'm sending you, sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's like, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Now, what do you think Jesus is talking about? Come on, you can talk. Bam. That was a tough one. He's talking about Pentecost, right? Acts chapter 2, where God unleashes his power into the souls of his people. Okay, now... The scriptures here use a very interesting illustration, a very interesting metaphor, the metaphor of clothing. Now, it's good to see that we're all wearing clothes today. 
Um, we almost had one that didn't. Um, but she finally put on clothes before we walked right out the door. Um, so we're good. Um, the, the scriptures use this illustration of me- uh, this metaphor of clothing all the time. Okay, so let's try to, let's try to think about this for a second. L- let me share with you um, probably the most embarrassing moment of my life. Um, so, so in college, um, I, I played baseball. A couple of you know where I'm going with this. Um, so in college, I played baseball, and it was a, um, a not-so-beautiful spring, spring afternoon, um, pouring down rain. So we're in the gym, okay? Um, and uh, the, this gym isn't like a one-court gym. It's like a three-court gym. It's huge, okay? Um, and I've never seen, to this day, more people in the gym than I did that day. Um, the weight room was full. The racquetball, court, racquetball courts were full. Um, softball girls had to practice inside because it was raining. Um, and then the, the basketball guys were way down at the other end um, playing. And so we're, um, we're there, and we're, uh, we're practicing. I think we're kind of stretching out. And uh, I have this buddy who's just, I mean, you can't really describe him other than that he's a, a prankster. Okay? And so he gets this idea that he's just going to, like, pants me. Okay? Um, and, like, no, no clue it's coming. And before I know it, like, like, I'm standing there naked. Like, he grabbed my shorts, and he yanked them down so hard, and he got everything. And here I am standing in the middle of the maybe sports complex at Hannibal Grange University, college students everywhere, and I'm standing there naked, okay? Um, and in that moment, my buddy... and um, he realized what happened, and he knew what his intentions were, and he knew what his intentions were not. And so in the process, he begins to help me be clothed again, because he realized, um, I didn't mean to make you naked in front of the whole school. Um, and I won't go on necessarily about how um, embarrassing that moment was, um, obviously, the baseball guys thought it was the funniest thing that ever happened in their lives. Uh, it was hysterical, and it was the talk of, I think, probably the school for, for a while, um, at least of the baseball guys. Um, so, other than the fact that that was the most embarrassing moment of my life, um, why? Because nakedness is a picture of vulnerability. Is it not? Okay. It's a picture of, it's exposure. Like, you're being exposed, okay? We see this very early on in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 3, um, right after Jesus, or God created everything, and all of a sudden, listen to this, in the fall of man, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, then the eyes of both Adam and Eve were open, and they knew that they were naked. Okay, so, so like, all of a sudden they realized the vulnerability of their situation, and so what did they do? They sewed together fig leaves, and they made themselves clothes. They made themselves clothes, and a couple verses later, it says, and he, Adam, said, I heard the sound of you, God, in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. 
Okay, now, now get this. None of us enjoy the reality of being exposed, right? We live in a very honest, open, like we confess our sin to one another, but even though that's a very, like, ongoing reality in this body, like, it's still never fun, right? Like, you never enjoy going to someone and saying, I just need to confess this to you. Even though we might be fairly decent at being exposed to one another, it's never fun. We don't like being exposed. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, um, how we stand before God in Hebrews 4.13. And he says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So that's the picture. We stand before God completely naked, completely exposed, to whom we will give an account. Okay? But, but, exactly what Amy started out with this morning is that we don't stand before him in shame. Okay? You've under, you, you know what it's like to be exposed or to, to something you've wanted to hide, you've wanted to cover, you've wanted to clothe, and, and that all of a sudden be exposed and you're just, there's just this shame about you. Listen, we don't stand in shame before one another or before Jesus because Jesus took our shame. Parents, if you have kids that struggle with running in shame of their sin, you tell them, never be ashamed. Jesus took your shame. And so here's the picture. We're, we're clothed in Christ. Here's the picture. Look, look at this. Um, Romans 13, 14. Listen to the language here. But put on, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify the desires. Okay, picture that. Like, what did you do this morning? Like, you put it on. You, you picked out your clothes and you, you intentionally put them on. That's the picture. The covering of Christ over our frailty. Over our nakedness. Over our vulnerability. Galatians 3, 27 says this. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ. The picture of the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of sins being made alive in Christ, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Like we're covered in Him. Okay? So when, when the passage talks about, um, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Like, do you see this? It's very practical. It's Christ. By His Spirit that we're covered that we're clothed. I love how Isaiah 61 puts this in, a, in verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. Listen to this. You want something to celebrate? Listen to this. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Married women, you remember that day? Man, I know the men probably don't so much, but like women, you, you remember like all that went up to that day. 
Okay, preparing the garments, preparing the clothing, being prepared to adorn yourself that day. That's the picture of being clothed with the garments of salvation. Okay, so clothing, what does it depict? It depicts covering, that we're covered, we're protected. You ever go somewhere and you're afraid? Anybody? And when you're alone, I've heard some of you talk about times when you're alone and you're just, you can't handle yourself. You're just in fear of what could happen. Maybe it's when you're home alone. Maybe it's when you engage in obedience to the Lord. And listen, you're clothed with Christ. The Spirit of God clothes you. You're protected. And I was talking to my buddy who ministers in Sudan and his last trip to Sudan, he was telling me that they, they missed two mobs by like 10 minutes. And one of the mobs, um, like 60 people were taken captive and one was butchered to death. Okay? And another instance, they barely missed this other one and like three other people were killed. And he's like, that's just part of it. But check it out. For us as Christians, like, we're not exposed, right? Like, we're not in danger because we're clothed in Christ, His protection. Nothing happens outside of His will. Okay, clothing depicts hiding flaws. Where, where are you weak? Where are you weak? You're like, ah, those abs, man, they're right there on the oblique. Okay. <laughs> I know someone that could help, but um, anyway, that's not the point. Um, where, where are you weak? Because the scriptures say, that's where you're strong. If you're a believer, and you're clothed in Christ, you've never been more strong than when you are absolutely at your wit's end. That's all I could do last night and this morning, was just say, okay, Lord, this isn't how I like to prepare to preach a sermon. But I was just like, it's yours. This isn't outside the kingdom. Playing basketball isn't outside the kingdom. It's not outside God's plan. As Christians, everything is about the kingdom of God. So we're, we're weak. We've never been more strong. It's a clothing depicts this. We're enveloped. We're, we're saturated with the life of Christ. If you're here today and you're like down, or you're trying to find out something to like stand on, or something to celebrate, like I know how some of us view ourselves, and how some of us struggle with the view of, of ourselves. I want something to undergird your fears, your vulnerabilities, your uncertainties. We're clothed in Christ. It's an identity, church. It's an identity that we have. Look at 40, verse 49 again. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay, we all have different ways that we try to clothe ourselves. We try to hide our vulnerabilities. We try to put a front on. Okay, our culture is unbelievably professional. 
at clothing ourselves in hypocrisy. Everyone is always doing good, right? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Yet you talk with them very long, and we're just not doing so good. But we're so good at hiding. We're so good at clothing ourselves with anything and everything. But the identity that we have in Christ. Um, power. Let's talk about power for a second. Um, it says you're clothed with power um, from on high. Power denotes ability or capacity. Okay, so my kids, um, man, they're so into superheroes. I guess a lot of kids probably are. Um, but particularly um, Spider-Man. Um, ben, put that up there. Um, and his amazing friends. Okay, and so uh, we all know very well um, Spider-Man is, uh, has this uncanny ability to uh, shoot webs out of his wrists. Um, we even have a little Spider-Man at home that's Tobin's that shoots webs out of its wrists. It's, um, he does, he's always like, Daddy, can I play with that? I'm like, buddy, I'm playing with it. Um, but so, so he has this ability, this, the capacity within him to, um, to rescue um, the innocent from the villain, right? Um, by swinging from building to building. Um, but he has these amazing friends that uh, maybe you've known about in years past, but it's still alive and well. Um, um, none other than Firestar, okay, um, who has the um, unbelievable ability to shoot fire. Imagine that. Um, I don't know where they come up with their names. But, um, and, uh, and so she can shoot fire and, and take out the bad guys. And then I think one of my favorite is Iceman. I mean, how cool would it be to make your own... He literally shoots that path while he's walking um, across the sky. Like, how cool would that be? You know, like... Um, anyway, um, but, but they have this ability, the capacity within them, as they're depicted as these, um, these characters that have the, the, this power. Okay? Um, now, not just the capacity, though, are we talking to do something? Okay? But also, this idea of power carries with it the capacity to be something. Okay? To be someone. Okay, let's look at it um, in the life of Jesus. Acts chapter 10. I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you. Um, you're not going to have time to turn to them. But Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this. Talking about the life of Jesus. And it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, do, do you see that? Okay, so this picture of power is the ability to, to do something, the ability to be someone because God's in us, because God's with us. It was the same thing through Jesus, okay, with, with the apostles. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, the apostles, and he came to the twelve together and he gave them power. He gave them ability, he gave them capacity. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Okay, so the capacity to confront the demonic. I think the demonic is way more present than we realize as Christians. Okay? There's a reason why God empowered the, the apostles and he empowers the church today to push back what is dark in the world through demonic forces, through spiritual warfare, but also to heal. 
And then in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Okay, now, I don't advise that you go and buy a poisonous snake um, this afternoon and um, be like, you know, well, look, guys, this can't hurt me. Okay, you'll probably be done. Um, thanks for being here today. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about this, um, the ability that we have um, through the power of God to, to be protected our souls to be protected from a false view of yourself, from fear, from insecurity. Um, so one of the other favorite um, superheroes shows that, that I love, that my kids, like they literally watch it every day, um, is Godzilla. Um, and Godzilla's good buddy, Godzuki, um, Godzuki is a, is a cool little dude. Um, but so they watch it all the time, even like this morning. Um, it's just helpful sometimes to sit them on the couch and get them dressed while they're like, Godzuki. Anyway, um, and so, um, so here's the way these stories go down in every one of the episodes of Godzilla. Um, so you have um, the characters in uh, the show Godzilla. Uh, they work on a ship. Okay, and so they're in the ocean, and um, they're trying to find problems. Um, and so up on their radar comes, like, this force of evil under the ocean. And it's like, it's coming at us. It's coming at us. So there's an earthquake under the ocean. They're like, what do we do? What do we do? Godzuki, can you help us? And Godzuki's like the way, way lesser version of Godzilla. And he tries to blow fire, and it's, it just doesn't work. And so, like, Godzuki, can you help us? And he tries, and it just doesn't work. And so... There's one of the guys um, in the show, on his belt, has a button, okay? And he lifts up his shirt, and when he, you guys remember this? Okay? Um, when he pushes, don't act like you don't remember this, guys. Come on. Um, when he pushes the button up from the ocean, within seconds, it's Godzilla, okay? And he's like, the hero, every time and every time, like there's a battle, yeah, and it plays out and all, and all that, and you know how it's going to, you're like, come on, it's Godzilla, he's like, he's going to win every single time, and Godzilla like takes out the monster or somehow figures out how to um, thwart the evil that's coming to the city that these guys are trying to, to push back, okay? Um, th- there's some real faulty views about the Holy Spirit. Um, one, I believe, is what we've, what we've heard a lot is this heresy that the Holy Spirit is this abstract force or mystical power, right? This, like, this unknown, uh, we just know he's out there, but we're not really sure what he is. He just kind of does powerful things, okay? Um, I believe many Christians, though, take that version and they just reword it, um, and so the Christian view is like this power of God, but it's still this real abstract reality. Okay, we have power. God is powerful. He can help us. There's this guy named the Holy Spirit who's God, but like we don't, we don't understand what that means. Okay, and I want to help you now try to get very practical as to what it means that we have the power. We're clothed. We've been clothed with power from on high. Okay, because the biblical view carries a very relational lens. Okay? It's, it's relational. Okay, whereas the typical Christian view is like, I'm in trouble, 
And it's like I got a button on my belt that I push in the name of prayer to cry out. And bada bing, bada boom, like magic happens. Or we hope that magic will happen because when I'm in a crisis, I need God. Kind of like we need Godzilla. Right? Now listen, like, absolutely, when we're in a crisis, we cry out and he's there for us. Okay? But more than that, the biblical view of what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit is a relational identity that we have as the people of God. So take the collision of, of clothing, like we're clothed, we're enveloped with the righteousness of Christ. And we're empowered. Okay? You're like, what, what do you mean by empowered? Look at this verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What what is that saying? Anybody, what do you think that's saying? I get past the part where it's awkward where I ask you to respond. Okay, now respond. Like, what, do you, what do you think Romans 8, 11 is saying? We have the power of the Spirit. That's the same power as what? That raised Christ. Okay, look at how the verse begins. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Okay? We talk about that all the time. We celebrate that all the time. In fact, every single Easter we celebrate the resurrection power of Christ. But listen, Christian, if you're a Christian here in the room, the same power that raised a dead man who was in the ground for three days, presently, right now, in this moment, dwells in your soul. Now, you might not be alive to him, you might understand how to communicate with him. We'll get there, okay? But what I want you to realize more than anything is I'm just trying to whet your appetite here um, in these few weeks as to the reality of the Spirit of God is in us. So that we begin to hunger and thirst. And I hope you've written on your mirror this week, God, fill me with your Spirit. And I hope you've prayed this week, God, fill me with your Spirit. Because when you pray, God, fill me with your Spirit, you're going to be more and more aware that God is in you. And you're going to be more and more aware of, of what it means conversate with God. Like Romans 8, 16 says that his spirit testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. That when you're at your wit's end and you think life is over or you want life to be over, because listen, I don't know about you guys, but the longer I walk with Jesus and the older I get, the more I'm like, God, just come get us out of here because life is a bear sometimes, is it not? It's tough. Okay? That's why God gave us himself. So I got to put his spirit in us. So Jesus instructs his disciples in Luke 24, 49. He says, don't leave the city until. Like, do you see that? Like, it's very important that you don't go out and try to do this thing apart from me. That you don't go out and try to be miraculous 
and clothe yourself in some faulty view of who you really are, who I really want you to be. And if we're honest here today, like I do this all the time. Like do we not? Do we not try to clothe ourselves in our own stuff? In our own, look at what I've done or look at what I'm doing? I mean, listen, like I'll, just, I'll just be vulnerable here with you. Man, I really believe God is doing a work in these days through our conversations about God's Spirit in us. Okay, I've been hanging out with several of you, and we've been talking and praying, and I really believe that, and I really believe God is, is using me to lead that charge, and I really believe, listen, I really, really believe it's going to change the spiritual landscape of our church. And you know what the enemy wants to do? It's me, he wants me to clothe myself. And look at what you're doing, Dave. Look at what you're leading in. Every single time that happens, the Lord's like, reminds me of my identity in Christ. It's not about me. It's not about any of us. It's not about North Church. It's about our Savior. It's about the Spirit of God who's doing a work. And here's the crazy thing about the early church, and here's the crazy thing about you and I, is that they walked in the power of the Spirit because they knew not just simply who they were, but they knew whose they were. You cannot know who you are until you know whose you are. Do you understand the identity that you have as one who's been clothed with power from on high? And, and it leads us to rest in an identity. We don't have to go like, get more stuff. We don't have to pursue like, the this, this special career that's going to get me there. Or these special clothes. Like, Have you ever... And maybe like right now, you're wearing something that's just uncomfortable, okay? Um, or like just doesn't feel quite right. I mean, if you've ever worn clothes that just don't feel right, and you go about your day and it's just like you're just kind of tugging and pulling, and you're just like, well, I can tell you one thing, the skinny jeans, like they're just ridiculous. But anyway, um, and the, man, the, even the guys ones, I'm like, come on, guys, like can we get some bigger things here? Um, you know what it's like to be uncomfortable. But here's the reality. I think many Christians and many of us often are uncomfortable because we've tried to clothe ourselves with something that's not of Christ. And we are convincing ourselves that we're comfortable because that's what everybody else is doing. That's what the culture is doing. That's what the cool Christians, there's no such thing as a cool Christian, just let me spoil that for you. That's what the cool Christians are doing. So let me just get real practical even further. Uh, what are you afraid of? Let's just, let's get practical with that question because every single one of us have fears. And I won't have you speak them. I'm kind of tempted to, but I won't. Um, what, I want you to think right now, what, what are you afraid of? I used to be afraid all the time that I would miss God's will for my life. And I remember telling one of my mentors, a pastor, um, that I was just afraid that I'd miss God's will for my life. And he gave me this funny face. And I never understood why he gave me a funny face. I'm like, why does he give me a funny face? And I'm like, am I this weird kid? Like, do I not know the theology behind it? And I'm like, it's just this thing that's haunted me forever. Like this clothing myself in something that's not really what I'm supposed to be clothing myself in. 
okay? Um, but that's ridiculous. Like when you run to Christ and you surrender yourself to Christ, like you don't miss God's will for your life. I, I've always been in fear that I'd miss God's will for my life. If you're leading your life, that's a fear. But the call to Christianity is not for you to lead your life. Maybe it's that your marriage will fail. Maybe that's a fear. I know it's a battle. It's a battle. Maybe it's your money. Just like this, this economy, financial crisis. I don't know how we're going to do this. Can't pay my bills. I don't know how, how am I supposed to tithe. Like maybe it's just your money. You're just in this financial crisis. Maybe it's addiction. To pornography. Sexual sin. I remember struggles early on in high school. And I remember telling a buddy, I'm just never going to defeat this deal. And he looked me square in the eyes. And he said, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You will one day walk in victory. And I just want to speak that over you. If you're here and you're wrestling through some type of addiction, and maybe it's the addiction of exactly what Haley said, comparison and it's just owned you can I just speak over you today that you will be free from that and Christ wants to set you free from that whatever that obsession is for you maybe it's anger maybe it's unbelief maybe it's the unknown like you just don't know what's happening or what's next or where this is going to lead Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Self-control, of a sound mind. Listen, if you're a child of God here today, the spirit of God is in you. And that spirit does not give you permission ever to live in fear. Ever. And so, I would call us to confession, where you're like, these things are owning me. These things are owning me. These things are owning me. Confess that to the Lord. Confess that to one another. He has not given you a spirit of fear. Like, where you're afraid, you're like, I just don't know how this is going to happen. Because I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I'm just like, I just don't know how this pastoring thing, this church thing is going to play out. But listen, the more I press into the Lord, the more I press into the, the Spirit of God who's in my soul, the more he says, it's not your job. It's not your job to think about how is this going to play out. It's not your job to think about how your kids lifestyle is going to play out. It's not your job to think about if, if your marriage is going to make it. Like you run to him you clothe yourself in his righteousness. You come up here and you celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. And then you're clothed with the same power that raised that dead body from the grave. You tell the enemy, that's not my responsibility. It's not. And you speak that to one another. 
But Romans 8, 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You check out that language? To fall back into fear. Like God saves us out of fear. Yet many of us so often fall back into, like, God, I'm just not sure. God, I'm just not sure. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons. Like, that's the identity. That's the clothed with power from on high. The spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Papa, Daddy, Abba, Father, at your full disposal inside of you. All the time, his spirit testifying with our spirit that we are children of God. There's not a button on your belt. It's just, God, I cry for help because I'm in danger and I need something. It's a continual conversation that is testifying with your spirit to not be afraid. And to stand up and declare the righteous power of Christ that raised him from the dead and that set us free from sin. That saved our souls. Um, so I want to ask um, Jeff and Kelly and Amy to come up right now. and um, We're going to go into our time of response. And maybe you're here and you're just like, you're just at war in your soul. You're just enslaved. Maybe it's still one of the things that I mentioned. Maybe it's just something completely different. Maybe you're enslaved to pride. Maybe you're enslaved to the reality that you're like, I'm doing okay. And I just want to encourage us to, as we come to the Lord in response, and we've intentionally been, been coming up here at the beginning of the service to give us a lot more time to respond and to really press in to the Lord so that's what I want us to do. And listen, church, this day, God wants to set you free from what's enslaving you. That we would become slaves to Christ. And many of us, for so long, have refused the clothing that's been offered to us. In the same way that the younger brother, the prodigal son, when he came back, from his prodigal life. And the father said, get, get my robe. Get the best of the best. We're going to throw a feast and I'm going to put my robe and I'm going to put my crown on you. That's what he wants to do this morning. So here's how we'll respond. Ask him. Ask him. You who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Surrender yourself to the Lord and confess your sin. Don't try to do this deal without confessing your sin. Lay it out there. Be clothed in the righteous life of Christ. Stay in the city, church, until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus, we love you. And you are 
so faithful and so good that you would clothe us in your righteous life. That we could no longer walk around insecure, uncertain, or even convinced that we're doing okay. But that we would begin to walk around confident in our identity. The identity that we have as those who have been clothed with power from on high. So would you come as you promised to do? And would you lead us to be the people of God? And would you move among us? We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.